You're listening to Crusader Chronicles, episode 63, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 207 and X-Men number 136 from May 1980. Welcome to the 63rd episode of Crusader Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Chris Statos. Crusader Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the comic book issues read chronologically by their release date from my comic book collection, either in a digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings on the issues for the release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having some fun along the way, talking about them with my friends. And joining me, as always, is Jared Albrick, a.k.a. Death Probe. Hello, hello, Pat. I need you, after we're done recording today, get with me. I've got a uh, contract for you to sign. Oh. You'll be part of my show. Okay, well, if you don't mind... I wouldn't mind being part of your show. It seems like there might be something in it for me, but I just want to have Laurel look some of the paperwork over. She is our contracting officer, has been since, uh, I want to say, 2018. Mm -hmm. And uh, the only problem is that I was checking her attendance record again, and apparently she hasn't been to work since 2018 in ever. What? Yeah. Anyway, I'll try to get the contract to you via Laurel. Okay. We'll see. Yeah, if you could go through. I'd appreciate that. I, I always like to run everything through her, and she makes sure we're on the yeah. up and up here. She, I think she does. Yeah, well, <laughs> I haven't heard anything back, so I'm just assuming <laughs> it's okay to go with it. Is what what I do. So you know, I you know, no news from Laura is good news, you know. But speaking about some good news, also joining us is Delvin the Dark Web. How are you, Delvin? I'm good, Pat. And look, I I know you've been angry, okay, and. To the point mm-hmm. that just out of control, like some would say that it even consumed worlds that you're so angry. But I just want to talk to you like look, me and Jared. We're here for you, Pat. Like we we love you. And you can't contain me. We, but, but I mean, understand, like I mean, you haven't destroyed us yet. So if you haven't destroyed us yet, that means you love us, too. Oh, <laughs> That's right. Guys, you know, I do. I can, how can I ever destroy you guys? Jason, no. <laughs> oh, he he, he mind blasted you. Yeah. Uh, Jason's dead, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, Jason mind blasted Pat. That's what happened. Oh, oh, so, oh. yeah. So, yeah, he can't hurt trouble me. now, I guess. That would explain Pat's nosebleed. Can't see it if you're not on live stream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excuse me. But, oh, yeah. Man, I can stop doing that. You'll be all right. But I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'll, I'll get through this one. Wow. But uh, speaking about Jason, where is Jason? You might be asking yourself. Could anybody tell me where Jason <laughs> I think we were all asking. No, <laughs> no uh, Jason had to take a bit of an unfortunate vacation. He is back with our family in Indiana. We had a bit of a tragedy, and he's kind of taking care of that. Uh, 
I put him in charge of it, but uh, he will yeah. be back. He, we are recording action film face off on Thursday. He'll be back for that. But uh, yeah, it was an unfortunate time for our family, but Jason's taking care of it and he will be welcomed back on our recording on Thursday. Well, the hearts of the LBC family go out to oh, we appreciate the it. family. Lots of love. All right. Well, with that, if you guys want to join in, like the live people that are watching us record this live out on the YouTube channel, you come and join us. Watch for announcements on our socials out there of when we will be going live and what we're recording. Or if you want to interact with us via voicemail, you can do that too by leaving us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Yeah. Mm, smooth. Yeah, that's always uh, warming to my ears. <laughs> but before we get started with this episode's issues, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. All right, our bags are packed and we got the snacks. It's time for the Longbox Crusade road trip to the Longbox Mobile crew. Check on, check on. on. Dang it. Everyone buckled up. Here we go. Well, now that the garage is empty, Gene will have more space to record episodes of LBC Irregulars, the indexing of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series. Oh, no. Did anyone remember to leave Clinton some food down in the basement? He's going to need it as he makes more episodes of Fan Film Fridays. His ongoing look at online fan films. Why are you speaking in such a scripted manner, Dark Web? Anyway, you can relax. I asked Rick, or was it Jeff? Who can remember? I asked the attic guy to come down from time to time to check in on Clinton. You know, take some breaks from recording Monday Movie Muck about his movie review show. Weasel Skull, did you give Rick the key to the basement? Key. Sounds like LBC headquarters is in good hands, Death Pro. Right you are, Christados. Oh, Pat, can we stop off at KB Toy Store? I'm going to pick up some Transformers and G.I. Joes. They remind me of Transformers Chronicles and G.I. Joe Chronicles. Our show's going through the Marvel run of Transformers comics and the Devil's Due run of Joe comics. Well, while you guys are doing that, we can also stop by a Blockbuster video and get some tapes to watch for action film face-off. That's the show where we discuss two action films and have them duke it out to see which one is the episode champion. Is that VHS or Beta? Eh, either one's fine. We've got a lot of stops to make, but if we can, let's squeeze in the Walden books and score some comics for us to talk about on Crusader Chronicles, the show where we move chronologically through the Amazing Spider-Man comics and include a bonus issue from the same release date as the Spidey recovery. I will definitely keep an eye out for our Walden books. It'll come in handy for the pure Longbox Crusade episodes, our time capsule show where we take a deep dive into a randomly selected comic and talk about news, music, and movies and ads that were popular when the books were released. I'll also be on the lookout for our electronic boutique, EB, if you guys don't know the lingo back then, so we can get some more comic-related video games for us to discuss on Comics to Council Crusade. Good thinking. If time permits, let's hit Circuit City. I need more positrons for our Pop Culture Positcast show. The one where we find all the good stuff in pop culture, the others seem to poo-poo. Positrons? Shut up and go with it. These old-timey, out-of-business store jokes doing anything for you folks? Well, if you like old-timey stuff, we also offer Saturday Matinee Theater. Our look back at old TV shows, serials, and films that have kind of been forgotten. I think that about covers it. We definitely want to be your road trip crew, folks. Whether it's your commute to work, 
or a road trip of your own, why not pass the time with us, your friends at the Long Box Crusade? Once again, that's Long Box Crusade, available on all your finer podcatchers. Good job, team. I'm getting hungry. Pat, stop at the next Kenny Rogers Roasters that you see. Or Pentagons. Burger Chef! Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode, and it is Amazing Spider-Man number 207. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of August 1980, but its on-sale date was May 13th, 1980. Cover price goes for 40 cents. Editor and writer for this one was Dennis J. O'Neill. Penciler was Jim Mooney. Anchor, Pablo Marcos. Letterer is James R. Novak. And colorist is Ben Sean. You can read along with us in Essential Spider-Man Volume 9 trade paperback. Or if you have the Marvel Masterworks Volume 268, which features Amazing Spider-Man Volume 20. I believe it's also on Marvel Unlimited. So there's lots of ways to read along with us, and we hope that you do. Cover credits go to penciler Michael Nitzler, and inker is Alan Milgram. Speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description from Jared. You got it. They say the Marvel Comics Group banner is black letters on a light blue background. They say Spidey swings in his orange corner box. But the Amazing Spider-Man logo is yellow with blue highlights. Does it have webs? I think it might. The main action shows our hero center stage at a playhouse, looking confused as explosions go off around him. The glitter is rubbing right off of Peter's night, and he's nowhere. They say the large green and purple image of Mesmero hovers over Spider-Man, but looking at it just gives me the blues. A cover blurb states, final curtain. But they're wrong. I know they are. Because my boy Spidey will be a star. Clues, gentlemen? Anyone got any guesses? Yes, please, because I am... What if I... What if I had a My little... guess, Jared, is the final countdown. Nah, it's a good guess, but no. Like, there's several of them that if I added a little sing-song quality, you'd probably get... They say the Marvel Comics Group banners, black letters on a blue background. On Broadway. Way. Okay. Oh. They say the Spidey swings in his orange quarter by. <laughs> on Broadway. It's the Drifters on Broadway. Ah. So, that was a hard one. Yeah, it's an older song, so I was like, hey, I don't know if they'll get this one. I have a uh, I have a love for oldies. I love the Drifters. They're actually the first band I ever saw in concert. Oh, really? Wow. So, Very uh, cool. Yeah, so it's a special memory for me. And I, I figured I'd get a little Drifters love. That's a good song, by the way. It is. You it probably is. aren't listening to it now on YouTube because, you know, we don't have the rights. But <laughs> go check it out. On Broadway by the Drifters. Very cool. I was mesmerized by all the words on of it. On Broadway. <laughs> all right. Well, now that we got the cover description out of the way, let's go ahead and get some quick cover thoughts on this one. And we'll start with Delvin. What's your thoughts on this cover, Delvin? Do you remember Marvel Tales? The comic book that they came out with that was a cheap alternative to buying older issues of Amazing Spider-Man because who wants to go back and buy old issues of Amazing Spider-Man? Now, who would do that? Sounds expensive. Crazy. (laughs) Idiots with money to burn, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. Marvel Tales. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of times on those, like they will come up, they're not going to put the original cover. They're going to put like some version of that cover for the cover of Marvel Tales. And usually it's not a famous penciler. Sometimes it is, but usually it's like some, uh, I hesitate to say throwaway penciler, but like not like on a book or anything. And, you know, they're just calling someone up, say, hey, you want to draw this cover? It needs to look like this kind of. And they're like, yeah, okay. That's what I think of this cover. It looks like a Marvel Tales cover. It does not wow me in any way. Is it bad? No. Does it like really entice me in any way to read the book? Also no. So like that's kind of where I'm left uh, when I look at it. Is like, would this inspire me to want to pick up the book for any reason other than I like Amazing Spider-Man? That's that's it. That's the only reason. I think I am feeling you definitely on that as well, Delvin. That. Do I want to read what's going on in here? Eh. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The scheme of it. Colors are kind of interesting, but that's about it for me. Jared, what's your thoughts? Yeah, the same. I really like the colors a lot. And I don't know. I think this is one of those cases where the cover, it's colorful and it's got some action and it's a little dynamic. I feel like it might have oversold the issue even a little bit. This, you know, Denny O'Neill being editor and writer, Jim Mooney on pencils. They're definitely just trying to get something out right now. I think they're just trying to get something out. Mm-hmm. And it's a pretty cool looking cover if you like Mesmero. It's, you know, how we talk about the RGI Joe show, Pat. Like, you know, yeah. certain covers, if you like Cobra Commander, you'll like this cover. If you like Serpantor, as it's pronounced, I'm quite certain, yeah, you'll Serpentor. like this cover. If you like Mesmero, this is your jam. But there's not a lot of Mesmero fans out there. Not saying there's zero, but there's not a lot. And I'll leave it at that. What do you think, Pat? Again, I agree with you guys as well, too. This one is definitely not one that's jumping out at me to read it or interested to see what's going on. Will it be something I might remember? Maybe because it's that weirdy kind of out of an issue or cover. But I guess we'll have to see as we go through the story synopsis. But before we do that... Let's go ahead and get into the cover ratings for this one. And, hmm, I'm wondering where we're going to be. We'll go to Delvin. One through four. Oh, wait. Before we go through you, I have to remind people of our rating systems here. How could I forget that? You almost forgot, Pat. I mean, we've been doing this for like 60-some-odd episodes. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Can you? Barely. I can barely believe it. Not really. (laughs) Jared, Jared, no, not really. Keep going, Pat. What's... I don't well, want to let me, show like Jared just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you what the rating system is here. It's a one through five rating system. Five means you loved it. It tickled your tummy feather. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Four is you really liked it. Three liked it. Two didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Ooh. <laughs> Not so good. Delvin, now tell me, one through five, what are you going to rate this? It's a three. It's mm. a very unenthusiastic three. I'm not going to, I look at it and it's not bad. It just didn't move me or inspire me in any way. I could have given it a two and I don't think anyone would have said anything, but I'm at three. Jared, what do you think? Three. I I, I think it's artistically, it's pretty good. The colors are okay. It, not a huge grabber, but it gets by. I'm going three. All right, guys. Well, if you're all, all the three, it's very yeah. It's like you don't you don't have to do it just for three's to. company. You yeah. can you can give it you a two, what? Pat. It's okay. Yeah, 
I'm going to say I didn't like it, so this one. I'm giving it a two. Right? Like, shoot what the out. heck, Pat? I wanted to do yeah. three's company. Like, I mean, I, I, I gave that to you out of grace, <laughs> but I mean, you're supposed to like say, okay, I'm going to give it a three. Oh, oh man. No. Oh. I hate this show. <laughs> this issue is this episode. I'm I sorry. Can't... I knew I, I just ruined the three's company, but I hey. I contractually told Pat I can't tell him I hate him anymore. So I hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Jason was here instead of Pat. <laughs> You know, this is actually, it's hard for me to give away a two. I don't think I have on a cover out of yeah. all that. But this one, yeah, it's if a, you're not a Mesmero fan, I can see where it doesn't do it for you. I would bump it up, but I can't to a half, you know, to get me there. Can't do I just that. can't. No. Yeah. And I'm not a Mesmero fan. I maybe need a little more Mesmero action to, or get memorized myself or whatever. I'm just not feeling it. Well, all right. With that out of the way, let's go ahead and see what the story brings us. At least there's got to be something there, right? Let's find out. Delvin, can you provide us a story synopsis? Absolutely, Pat. While attending a demonstration in radiology, high school student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider, a Spider-Man. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man. is Mesmero's Revenge. What would you do if you had one shot, one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted? Would you capture it? Or would you be like Mesmero and put on a boring show where some dude was hypnotized juggling balls, (laughs) quacking like a duck? For that matter, if you're Spidey, would you meddle in an affair you didn't have to meddle in and ruin your shot at losing yourself within Debbie Whitman? I mean that metaphorically. My mom might be watching this, and I was a valedictorian at one time. Super pristine reputation, folks. Anyway, Mesmero gets the hint that Spidey helped save the show from an actual fire as opposed to the dumpster fire that was his show and makes him a monetary offer. Mesmero was mad the Daily Globe panned his show, and so he hypnotizes the critic into jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge. Mom Spaghetti. Spidey makes the save and gets rewarded two tickets to a chorus line, a coast-to-coast show, which he invites Debbie to. He went back to the lab again because he knew he choked before and wants to snap back to reality before the clock runs out on Debbie. Blau? Sure, why not? Quick vignette as Jonah returns. The moment, he owns it. He better never let it go. We're almost done. 
Mesmero was mad because he didn't kill the critic, so he tricks Spidey into touching electrified money, knocking him out, and forces him to balance while juggling exploding balls. He said that. I didn't. This also causes Spidey to stand Debbie up again. She ain't going to want him no more. He's called product. And of course, Spidey wins this fight. This one-shot business with Spidey, I suppose it's old partner, but the beat goes on. That it dumb, that I'm die. Back to you, Pat. Oh, Delvin, I am sitting here eating some M&Ms with that. <laughs> <laughs> something, something, be rabbit. <laughs> I like it. It was very good. Thank you, Delvin, Thank you, for, Thank you. For, the, for laying down those lyrics. I was just about to lose myself, mm-hmm. too, in the moment. You own it. I owned it. Yep. Yep. Let's get to the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? Jared. The first read. Definitely did not have this one in my my run. Delvin. First read for me, Pat. First read for you. It is a first read for me, too. So at least, woohoo! You know what that means. Rainbow. Uh, <laughs> is that that's not a copyright strike? I, we probably sang it so good sh- it might be. Yeah, mm, that's true. I mean, <laughs> it, it's like, was it me? Was it Shaka? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, it feels good to have the rainbow help us along here. Yes, indeed. Let's go ahead and get to some highs, lows, or what does, and we will go with Jared. We'll start with you. You got a high, low, or what the for this? Hmm. Again, it's a filler issue, clearly. Why they wanted to bring Mesmero in. Okay, you know what? There's a lot of different directions I'm going that. Let me focus. Let me be focused. Debbie Whitman? They act like we know who she is. Yeah, I know. Did I miss that. something? Did she come over from Spectacular, maybe? I think she's a spec Spidey gal. Yeah, I, I thought maybe okay. since Jim Mooney was here. I think, Spidey. yeah. I think they may have mentioned her once. Because they were amazing. like, yeah, he's hanging out with Debbie Whitman. And I was like, what? What the hell did he say? <laughs> I don't know that person. Same here. I was like, How, why is he all close to her like that? And it's like, we're supposed to know this, but. According to our super sharp people in the chat, one of which being Oliver Neville says Debbie Whitman is indeed from Spec Spidey. Very good. Thank you. Anything else, Jared? This for this round, I'll just put okay. uh, kind of a what the yeah, Debbie Whitman. I mean, there's a lot of places we go with this, but hey, there's three of us here, so let's give Delvin time to talk. Man, I tell you what, there are times where I would want to have time to talk, and this is like <laughs> so, so let's let's go with probably the most positive thing in the issue, and that is Jay Jonah Jameson is back. I love it. He bursts into the room full of bombast and all Jonah-ish stuff. And and even Robbie was like, man, I'm glad he's back. <laughs> I was yeah. tired of doing this. I'm so glad that he's back. And they touched on what happened with the whole Jonas Hero thing. And that was a one-page thing that probably was the most brilliant thing that happened the entire book because that seems like something that they can latch on to whenever the next big storyteller in Amazing Spider-Man comes and this is uncharted territory for me. I have no idea who's going to be coming up to scribe the book uh, on a long-term basis. No idea. But this sounds like something that could fit right into that continuity that could be a part of that storyline that J. Jonah Jameson was back. So I'm happy for that. Okay. I think I agree with you on that part of this issue is was the standout part 
having, you know, what's going on with Jonah and him come back. Do you guys feel that this issue was more of a, you know, uh, a one and done kind of a thing? And they're like, oh, we got to throw something in here at least to keep the the other rest of the story going. Yeah. Yeah. Continuity kind of going where this is maybe a one off story at one time. Yeah. They needed to have a book come out this month. I mean, you had Denny O'Neill, who, if he's written for Amazing Spider-Man, I don't remember it. You got Jim Mooney, who is around the universe of Amazing Spider. He usually has inked Amazing Spider-Man instead mm-hmm. of actually penciling it. He's done more of the Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man to this point. So, yeah, everything about this screams one shot, screams filler. Sometimes, Pat, you got to eat the filler. Yeah, sometimes you do. Sometimes you got to eat it. And this one, boy, was a tough chew for me. I'll tell you guys that right now. I was expecting more out of it, trying to understand the story going on. And, you know, I'm just going to cut to the end of it real quick to say, boy, he really kind of just switched it around and got everything over with real quick. Which kind of shows you what a filler issue that it was. Like, there wasn't even much of a fight. It's like the the biggest fight was Spider-Man juggling balls. (laughs) look i got through it twice and i laughed so like forgive me for laughing at it a third time yeah that was it and that wasn't even really much of a challenge for spider-man it's like he was cracking wise and not even like good cracking wise it's like really yeah this this is it yeah (laughs) there's gasoline on the stage (laughs) and i have exploding balls in my head (laughs) you know you know what they you know what we say here on the lbc Sometimes you got to juggle balls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do say that. Yeah. Yep. Let's go ahead and go to round two. Jarrett, got a high, low, or what on this? Well, unfortunately, I think we're going to have to go with another low for this filler issue. I think it's worth reading uh, Auburn Elvis's comment from the chat. He said, did Mesmero actually try to hypnotize Spider-Man? Seemed like he just figured paying him cash was easier than hypnosis, which is his sole superpower. <laughs> and and I kind of want to launch off of that. I mean, Albert Nelson's is right. Like it, it felt like uh, we'll just use Mesmero, you know. And the and the problem with it is, relatively recently, we had Mesmero and X Men, and he almost defeated all the X Men. Like he's a pretty powerful guy. He can he can. That's true. And here he just looks like a buffoon. He just hypnotized a- Jean Grey. Yeah. Who is a high-level telepath, mm-hmm. hypnotizer. Didn't even try it with Spidey. No. Yeah. Go ahead, Jared. I'm in a row. Yeah, no, I mean, it, no, that makes you're sense. right. It's just misused, underused. I don't know. It just felt like, you know, and I don't even want to blame Denny. Like, I have this funny feeling that they were like, hey, Denny, <laughs> crank out a book, you know? And he was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, crank out a book. And he was like, oh, okay. Here's a Mesmero tale, you know, kind of fun. It's got some stage and I see what he's trying to do. Not mad about it. Just hmm. the proximity of it to the X-Men storyline that we read. is only a couple years off. Too close. Too close. Back to you. I do like that Mesmero was, he was trying to be good, but he just couldn't. You know, would that be a show you'd really want to go see? Clearly not. Since he did the show and <laughs> there's a dude on stage quacking like a duck. <laughs> And the audience was like, this stinks. And then the critic was like, this stinks. And Mesmero was like, ah, how dare that critic say it stinks. It's like, but the crowd told you it's like, no one was clapping for you, dude. This, this show was terrible. No one likes this. Mesmero doesn't really seem like he was good at much. 
you know, I guess he tried to make that run at being, you know, on the straight and narrow good, but like his show just was not that good. Maybe he should have hypnotized the show and the, the audience into thinking that the show was good or something because it just simply wasn't. Yeah, that's a great point. With his power level, why in the world would he have a bad show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't he just mesmerize the crowd to make them think that they were it was an yeah. awesome show? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's all I got. Yeah. Yeah. Delvin, do you have a high low or what the I was gonna riff a little bit off of what Jared had said. It almost comes across like this entire episode, excuse me, this entire issue was paint by number. Just a very, very formulaic issue. And with that said, it wasn't bad. I didn't think it was bad. I was swimming through the pages and you know, like there was you remember that uh Spidey episode where they did the recap? Like a couple years ago, yeah. and I just, I just panned it. Like, oh my god, this is yeah. awful! Like, come on, Spidey's fifteen years old at this point. People know what the heck Spider Man's about. You really wasted an issue recapping his origin. And well, they didn't do that. They did do kind of just a little slice of life story. It just didn't happen to be that great. But they did at least advance the elements of the Daily Globe. And they advanced the elements of the Daily Bugle. So that was cool. And then, you know, you got your lovable loser, uh, Peter Parker story where he did save the day, but saving the day wound up costing him his chance at Debbie Whitman. So there were elements there. There just wasn't really anything to hold on to that I could point at and say this was particularly good or great, which should show you exactly where I'm going to be rating this uh, when we get to that in a couple of minutes. That's really all I have. Uh, I see there's another Auburn Elvis comment that is funny and, and worth mentioning. He was saying, I looked up high test gasoline, which was poured on the stage by Mesmero. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says gasoline octane is measured by performing a test in a standard engine. High test gas means a gas with a high octane rating. High test gas is better stabilized against spontaneous combustion, so it actually burns slower. So I bet chemist Peter Parker was laughing at Mesmero for that one. Pete never took Mesmero seriously or ever at all. It's like, yeah, this was your big plan to have me suspended. And he plugged in electrified money instead of using his hypnosis powers. (laughs) Right. What? (laughs) Right. He could have just said, and you're asleep. And Pete probably would have fallen asleep. There's any number of things Mesmero could have done, but like at no point other than on hapless audience or people in the audience. Actually, no. Well, no, he hypnotized the audience member. He hypnotized that critic. And he, he did hypnotize the audience again, but he never mm-hmm. tried it on Spidey, which is just yeah. weird. You might want to hypnotize the most powerful person that you're going to encounter in the story. That's kind of a big plot loop to me. Maybe I'm going to do a a no prize on this one, but maybe he didn't do it because he was afraid of what happened in the X-Men. Does that make the story any better? No. No. Is it a good (laughs) no prize? Yeah. Maybe. It's a, it's a plausible no prize. Like, but but they didn't mention it. I tell you what, though, like if I had mind altering powers that I've got to do one and I'm worried that if I hypnotize someone more powerful than me, then they might kick my butt. 
I, I better go and do some karate <laughs> or some jujitsu or something. Like, so I'm not afraid of everyone. If I have this cool, awesome power, you, you want to at least be able to use it. Or, that's all I'm saying. You can't just go by the rest of your life hypnotizing just normal schmoes. But if you are, you, you don't want to. He could have done that on a much lower level. Like you remember uh, right around issue 200 where Mysterio had that whole scam, like scamming old people in the insurance company. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, yeah, like to hell with worrying about all these super powered freaks here and there. I'm just going to go prey on old people. <laughs> like, hey, dude, that makes sense. Yeah, that, like, that was a better scam. That was a better scam. And Mesmero could have done something similar. Like, okay, yeah, you don't have to be on a Broadway stage. You could just, I don't know, hypnotize people into bringing you groceries. <laughs> <laughs> or just handing you money. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm kind of broke. You got you got $30? Sweet. Thank you. <laughs> or hypnotize the critics that come in yeah. and to write a good thing about it. That way you get more people bringing you in money. Any number of things he could have done that he did not do that makes it just a little bit weird. Jert, do you have anything more highs or lows about this issue? No, I, I like that we talk a lot about positivity on the show, and it's it's just a filler issue. I yeah. mean, that's it at the end of the day. I'm not mad at anybody involved. You know they got a last-minute deadline. You know they did. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, it is what it is. The positive I'm going to give this one is I did enjoy the artwork in it. Yeah, Mooney I showed out it. pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good artwork. No I think that's what That kept me turning the pages through here is just kind of looking and, and enjoying that nice art that I was seeing to help tell the story. It's just there wasn't really a lot of meat on the story for me. All right. Well, with that, why don't we go ahead and get into silly Spidey moments? And whew, I'm wondering what you guys saw. You know the, which one I'm going to pick. So I'm just going to call it out right now. Bunky. Bunky. Okay. So, yep. All that Bunky. <laughs> he calls him Bunky, gets the Bunky in there, and which is kind of cool because if this was a filler, at least, I don't know if, you know, Denny and, and what's it, and what's his name use the same, you know, are they in the same lingo with monkey that that was something cool in the. Yeah. We know. need to, we need to talk to people a little bit older than us to see yeah. whether in the early eighties, late seventies, Bunky was a thing that people actually said. Cause I don't ever remember anyone calling anyone Bunky ever. I agree with sardines over there. Yep. <laughs> no, it's me. Sledgely. Flinko. Flinko. <laughs> We're mixing shows now. If anybody listening, uh, watching, whatever, go ahead and put some stuff in the comments. If you know the history of Bunky, what it was used for and why, we'd love to know it just to get some context for this. Because I don't remember ever calling kids that, <laughs> you know, out on the, hey, Bunky. Well, unless I went camping. Then that person that was with you was, you know, your bunk buddy. But you still didn't call him Bunky. No, I guess I did. <laughs> <laughs> that story fizzles with the buzzer. Yeah, I have a try, yeah, trying something there, but it's not working. See? <laughs> so that's mine. Jarrett, what's your silly Spidey? I really like the part where Mesmero handed him the electrified cash and Spider-Man and he's knocked out. And to a knocked out Spider-Man, he goes, moron. <laughs> he called him <laughs> moron. <laughs> After he took the cash, like he said to nobody, to himself in the room, he's just a moron. <laughs> he didn't realize the money clip had, was hooked to an electrical generator. Like you were really excited about it. He called him a moron after he passed out. To me, that level of pettiness is mwah. 
Well done, Mesmero. That's Don't, super. That's evilness where you just, you know, it doesn't matter anybody's around you. You can talk to yourself. That's right. Dylan, what's your silly Spidey? Courtney Holland in the comments says that it's a term for an old vehicle. Bunky. I have no idea. I'll, I'll right. look it up after the show. And Auburn Elvis says it's a roommate. Not sure why that's an insult. I mean, you know, I can see it like a warm, hey, buddy, kind of a thing, but you're bunky and I don't know. Moron. No idea. Moron. <laughs> just, yeah, if you okay. call somebody moron, just call them a moron. All right. I got one. And all I will ask you to do for entertainment value, and, and, and you never know because these are guys that are about our, we're about our age, right? It was somewhere around there. So they could be throwing some in-jokes in there for themselves. But I swear there were so many, like, phallic references in this book between the ball juggling and then this joke here of towards the end of the book where Spidey is sort of making sure that like he's not harming the audience but having to take care of them and says I'll apologize for the rough treatment when you're in your right minds people at the moment I'm chasing a nut and I'm like you know you could have been chasing a nut if you went after Debbie you know never mind (laughs) for Says family show, family show. Uh, that one's for you, Jason. Jason's gonna hear that. I can't wait for the long bleep. You could be bleep. <laughs> I, I saw that and was like, ooh, oh my goodness. Like, I mean, just that me. I'm not proud. I'm not proud, people, but, it, but it's what came to mind. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we've said enough about the issue. Why don't we go ahead and figure out where we are going to rate this one? Again, it's a one through five rating for this issue. Five is you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Well, that's not the sound for tickling. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm, I'm pre-guessing where we're going to be. I see. I see. So four is you really liked it. Three Mm -hmm. liked it. Two, didn't like it. Uh-uh. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Uh-uh. Let's see where we're going to be on this one. And I'm going to start it off with Jared. <sighs> I wish Joe November was here, Pat. Yeah. Joe yeah. November is here. What yeah. would I give it? Two, Two and a half. Yeah. He's not. Anything that you can get you to bump? Mm. Not saying I want to go this to the threes, but that's okay. You know, I... I paved the way, so it's okay, guys. I paved the way. You know, I'm going to give it a three. And it's basically because Mooney showed out. The anchor stepped up and did the, all the the pencils, and he did a great job. And so I will give it the .5 bump from Mooney showing out and that cool moment with J. Jonah Jameson. But it it, it was, uh, yeah, you know, moving on. Delvin. I'm Jared. And for same reasons, Mooney artwork was good. I'm glad y'all mentioned that. And it was also worth it for um, for Jonah's comeback moment. It's like I'm back, baby, and I'm like, yeah, Jonah's back because I mean, Jonah does he, Jonah and the bugle, you know, cookies and milk, gloves mm-hmm. and hands, right? Yeah, it's just it, just one of those things that just they belong together. So yeah, that gets the three. Man, what do you got, just, Pat? Just like juggling balls, they belong together. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. I. I <laughs> I've led men before. I want you to know that in my life, I've led men and women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you can't <laughs> juggle <laughs> I'm going on mute. 
<laughs> oh, well, I'm glad I got a good one out of that one. Good one, Pat. Good one. Came in at the right time. <laughs> I am going to be with you guys, too, on a three. It's the artwork, like Jarrett said, that kept me turning through the pages here. And the big deal with Jonah coming back was at least worth reading that part of it to see it. With that, I think that makes it. We're in Three's Company with this one. I will say the words. Juggling ball. <laughs> We're juggling We're ball too. <laughs> Where the balls are his and Whoa. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of editing on this. <laughs> Easy, Pat. Well, in the chat, we have uh, Elver and Elvers gives it a three as well. So, all right. Well, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voicemail that we just might play on the show. Go ahead and leave us one at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Operators are standing by. <laughs> With walls in hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, oh my. So, okay. <laughs> we will be we will be right back. Spider-Man and the Cupcake Caper. Peter Parker is in Mary Jane Watson's apartment when suddenly he sees a familiar enemy. MJ, you'll have to excuse me for a minute. Uh-uh. You have this thing, Tiger, and I hate it. Every time there's trouble, you disappear. Relax, MJ. All I want to do is get some milk we have with these hostess cupcakes. Sure, Peter. Anything to avoid reality. But at least this time, you left me with a really delicious snack. Devil's food cake. Chocolate. King creamy filling. I hate having Mary Jane think I'm a coward. But there's no other way I can slip into my Spider-Man role. And only Spidey can handle Man Mountain Marco. Don't look now, Marco, but the mountain just became a molehill. Webhead, we don't understand you, but we sure appreciate the help. Thanks, guys. Meanwhile, I've got a quart of grade A to deliver. Sorry it took me so long, MJ, but I um, got a little bit of... distracted yeah well no sweat peter the hostess cupcakes you left me with were a lot more rewarding to me than you ever been brother if she only knew you get a big delight in every bite of hostess cupcakes welcome back from the break now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode which is determined by our Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Lawnbox Crusade page at patreon.com. As always, we want to thank our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine the programming for this show. If you want to get in on the voting and all of the other amazing benefits of being a Crusaders Club member, 
Just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. You can join in as a little as $1 a month and help determine what each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club member selected Uncanny X-Men number 136. So they really wanted us to read some X-Men a little bit more, which I can understand because this is a bigger storyline that's going on in the X-Men world right now that they probably want to hear our, you know, great thoughts on this one. Jared, you know we're on camera, right? We can, mm, all right, yeah, we yeah, can yeah. see your facial. <laughs> <laughs> see you. Or they just want to torture Jared because he knows he likes the mind fights. Yeah, I think there's the torture person. involved in this. Yes. Well, we're happy to do it for him because that's part of being a Crusaders Club member and their voice is heard. Credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Publisher was Marvel. Got a cover date of August 1980. Its on-sale date was May 20th, 1980. Cover price is 40 cents. Editor was Jim Salicrup. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Esquire. Thank you. Plotter and pencils go to John L. Byrne. Anchor is Terry Austin. Letterer is Tom Orzakowski. And the colorist is the culinary bad colorist, Glennis Ween. So, we, you know, we're, we're holding on to that ween yet, you know. Careful. <laughs> yes. I got nothing to add at all. I just heard that. And so I'm like, oh, <laughs> I meant it in the good way, not the bad, you know. Because See, sometimes, like, you have to run by what you're saying, like, in your head first. And then there's like, a, mm, no. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it on my, my sickness. We hope that you will read along with us in reprints in Uncanny X-Men trade paperback. Also, classic X-Men number 42, this was done in. Essential X-Men Volume 2 trade paperback, and also the Marvel Masterworks Volume 40 Uncanny X-Men Volume 5 hardcover, and on Marvel Unlimited. Cover credits go to John L. Byrne, and inker is Terry Austin. Jared, why don't you take us through this memorable cover, I guess? Certainly. If you guys didn't get the Drifters reference, you're not about to get this one either, so here we go. And when the sun comes up... The Marvel Comics Group banner will be on top, light blue with black letters. The floating heads of Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Cyclops, and Nightcrawler are floating in the light blue corner box right down there, looking up. The Uncanny X-Men logo is yellow with light blue highlights, and it's cracking. The main image is Cyclops with too many teardrops for one heart to be crying as he cradles the seemingly dead body of Jean Grey. Because I don't see her waving now. As the rest of the X-Men and somehow... Mr. Belvedere and Julianne Moore there in the background are going to cry, 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 cry now. They're going to cry, 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 cry. If you get that one, I'll be really impressed. I like the tears of a clown. Are you close? Mm. It's a pretty good song called 96 Tears by Question Mark and the Mysterians. Yeah. Nope. Jared, hi. This is this is planet Earth. <laughs> where, where, good where song. People, I don't care what you say. People, people listen to Earth music. <laughs> what? What is Mark what? In 96 Tears. It's a good song. Trust me. All right. I will have to look that up. I would sing it for you, but I want to get us a copyright strike because I will. Well, you could sing it. I will own it we so just good. Can't they'll play be like, the music. Got to be question mark in the Mysterians. All right. Well, let's get to some quick cover thoughts on this one, and we'll start with Delvin. It's very clear that they're giving away something sad happened in this issue. 
because I mean, there's Jane and she's all slumped over or should say Phoenix, Phoenix, dark Phoenix slash Jane, Jane Phoenix, uh-uh. Phoenix, Jane, uh, Jane, dark. One of those gray Phoenix, dark Jane, well, one of those. And then, you know, there's like everyone looking sad. And then if you notice, if you look at the X-Men logo, there's like little cracks in the X-Men logo. I mentioned it in my 96 oh. tier summary. Just you know, look. I was trying to figure out, like, you know, what planet you were on. Cry, 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 cry now, 96 tears. Uh, Let me see you cry now, 96 tears, night and day. I'll stop. Go on. No, no one has heard of this song, Jared. No one. Not a single person. Question mark in the Mysterians. <laughs> so, yes, uh, it, it show, sadness was conveyed. Uh, and so you would get the impression that someone probably died in this issue. Which didn't happen, but not bad. For a John Byrne cover, it's kind of understated, actually, to where it's like we have seen some covers where, heck, they're, I'm reminiscing all over the place. There's that Alpha Flight cover where you had Guardian and he had that, like, you know, the maple leaf and yeah. looking all cool. John Byrne can, I mean, of course, you're not looking for exciting and dynamic. You're trying to convey sadness, but sadness on the cover sometimes isn't really the greatest. And if you're John Byrne, who's at the height of his powers at this time, and I can't think of anything over the top glowing to say about it, then that kind of shows you where I'm probably going to land with my rating. Uh, what do you think, Jared? I really like it. It's somber, but it's classic. It's memorable. Uh, dare I say iconic? I'd seen it before, but upon looking at it in preparation for the show, it reminded me of the Crisis cover of Superman holding yeah. Supergirl. And this predates that by about six years. Yep. So I'm like, mm, interesting. You know, I, I'm quite certain somebody probably drew somebody holding somebody on a cover before this, but this is probably the first one to kind of put a stamp on it. And I dig it and I like it, even with Mr. Belvedere and Julianne Moore in the back. I think that might be her parents. I don't know. I'm not good at yes. this. Those are her parents. All right. Did you not read this? Yeah. Well, okay, well, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, her, her parents' names are John Gray and Jane Gray. John and Jane Gray. I made that Nothing. up. That's not true. And I believed it. They're feeling a little gray. Stop it, Pat. But what anyway. do you think of the cover? <laughs> you know, I didn't notice the cracks in the X-Men until Delvin said that. I talked about it in the cover summary. <laughs> yeah, you say that now, but I was I was still, I was trying to listen to figure out what the song was. So I wasn't. I wasn't really. Now. <laughs> I like that cracks in there. It, it, that's very cool. And you did take one of my points was this looks like the cover to Crisis, uh, where Superman's holding Supergirl as well. Too, I think with this one, you can definitely see the agony that's happening in Cyclops. Just that, you know, that face of despair going on. Oh, I uh, thought it's. Triceps were probably burning at that point. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, this is a very striking cover. I like the colors that are done with that uh, violet or uh, like the dark fuchsia. Magenta. Magenta. Okay, magenta. That's what it is. I like that. It makes everything else just pop in the background here. So again, very iconic cover. I kind of figure where we're going to score this one, but let's go ahead and find out. So, again, it's a one through five rating here. Five is you loved it. It 
gave you a ring to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Three, liked it. Mm -hmm. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a little baby (laughs) crying. You probably cried 96 tears. That's a 96 tears. (laughs) Maybe now. Well, speaking about crying, Delvin, what will you cry out one through five for this? I'm crying out three. It just didn't move me. Three? Really? Yeah. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> I, I get the feeling where both of y'all are going to lean on that, but like, I'm, I am look. I would at least give you a four, but okay. I, 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 that's that's my argument. Like, I try, good luck spelling that. Yes, my absolutely. It's it's up there with that. Yeah, that's all I got. And instead of passing to Jared this time, I'm gonna pass it to Pat. Well, I am not going to agree with you, so I don't think we're gonna get a match on this one. So we might get some team development, maybe a couple different sides. The Dame Deborah Smith gives it a five for that song. Dame's okay. Great. I think she's just being nice to Jared. <laughs> Hey, shut up. Continue with your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to give this one a five. It's an iconic cover, and I think that's what bumps it up for me. It's definitely a high four, but the iconicness of it makes it a five for me. Uh, the colors, the artwork on there, the expression. I'm feeling this cover. Jarrett, where are you on it? I didn't read it. Oh, it's the cover. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What would I rate it if Joe November was here? Pat, guess number two. What? Joe what would you rate here? it? Yeah, what do you think I would rate it? Oh. Joe was here. Four and a half. Correct. Yes. But Courtney clearly said in the chat, no absies. Ooh. <laughs> this is tough. This is tough. Uh, cracked X-Men logo pushes it up. I'm giving it the full five. Make a good looking poster. It's the crack. Of yeah, the it's logo. at a four and a half. I'm like, eh, I'm sliding back towards four. But I was like, oh, that cracks logo. poster. Yeah. Subtle cracks in the logo. The magenta fade, dark delight to the bottom. I, I like to think Glennis did that. Mm-hmm. The, the pre-dating of the iconic Crisis yep. cover, I'm going to give it its props and go for the five. Woohoo! So we got two, two cool guys going with the five. And one guy and three all alone islands. That's all right, man. It's art, man. It's subjective. It's in the eye of the beholder. Definitely. All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into the story synopsis. We were going to get story stops from Jason, but we didn't. So the only thing to do here is just piece one together. Pat, first third of the story. What happened? Two sentences go. Alondra and her space universe force get together. They have a council about this, getting everybody together because she's real worried that nobody has ever seen this of what's going to happen. And they all agree the Phoenix has to die. Otherwise, they're just going to explode the whole universe. Excellent job. 
then she shows up uh, on Earth to fight the X-Men. Hank McCoy has made a diadem, which is a word used in this story, that scrambles her brain so she won't be as powerful, so they're able to fight her. Spoiler, they don't do so good, and I'll pass it to Delvin to let us know how it wraps up. Well, it wraps up because they weren't able to beat Jean Grey with force. They had to instead beat her with love. And that's what Cyclops was doing until Professor X came up, became in Professor X <laughs> the day. But he did salvage it by engaging in psychic warfare with uh, Dark Phoenix, which he probably, not probably, he definitely would have lost. But Jean Grey was helping him fight from the other side of that. And they were able to seemingly stop Dark Phoenix from taking over Jean Grey. But then the Lalandra part of the storyline comes back into effect and the X-Men disappear off the planet, much to their surprise. Where do they go? Tune in to find out. All right. Very good. We pieced it all together. We came in like a team. Heck Jason yeah. probably would have had to sing like three verses of a song. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So if you'd have divided it between the three of us, it would have been 23 tears. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like where this uh, is going. <laughs> <laughs> quick math. Math didn't work, I don't think, but it was close enough. <laughs> it did. It's divisible by three. Ah, okay. okay, I'll I'll buy it. Would that be 32? <laughs> to, yeah, 30. You need 32 tears to get to 96. Wait. Oh, uh, yeah. Say it. <laughs> Uh, he Wait. got it backwards. He got it backwards. Oh, tune in for more mathematics. <laughs> Freaking maths and publics. <laughs> well, I guess we really don't figure out the math for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is an action film face-off. This is Crusader Chronicles. <laughs> well, let's find out if it's a first read or a reread as we go through some brick or brack for this issue. Jared, first read or reread? First read. You know me and the X-Men. First read. Delvin, first read. If I read it, I don't remember it. First read. Ooh. Pat, it's a first read for me, too. Double rainbow. Double rainbow. Butterfly, 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 butterfly. I sang the wrong song. I did the police company. It's okay. I did I did bad math, so. We're falling apart. We're falling apart at the buzzer, boys. Maybe it is Jason that keeps us. He's the glue that keeps us together. Ah, that is scary. <laughs> <laughs> that explains a lot about our, our network. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. All right. Well, let's get into some high lows or what does for this issue. And we will begin our first round with Delvin. At the end of the book, I thought this is a good cliffhanger. I thought it was a very, very good cliffhanger because... They tried to stop Phoenix with force and they were repulsed badly. Did not work. This, I mean, this happened a couple issues ago. And so they knew they were going to lose again, but they had a good plan, a pretty good plan in place to physically stop her. Still didn't work. And then Cyclops appealed to her heart, to Jean Grey's heart, who and Jean Grey was still a part of that whole thing. And they did a very good job of saying, even though the Phoenix is this powerful entity, they make sure to say that, hey, Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix still had to attach to Jean Grey in order to become the powerful entity that the Dark Phoenix was. I thought it was really good storytelling. I thought they all they got across very, very 
uh, cleanly, that every character in the book had a reason to love Jean Grey in their own way. And so this was a very emotional battle that was fought on Earth. And because it's the Phoenix and the Phoenix is literally galaxy universe expanding, that's only part one of this fight that is going to go to a part two. So I thought the story overall was just really, really good. Definitely. I agree with you. I think as I was reading this one through, you know, we talk about Claremont. Everybody talks about Claremont and how much he words and writes things and how much it is. But when you really think about it with this book, you really got a lot for your money for 40 cents and the stories that he's telling. I think this was one that doesn't take you a quick read like today. Some of today's comics are this one really gives you some meat and storytelling that's going on in this one. So I'm really impressed with how he's weaving the tale in this one together. And as Jared has pointed out months ago, I would have thought this was a 22, 23 page issue. Nope. 17, 18 pages. Yeah. That's what I'm surprised on too. I'm like, you are really getting your money's worth out of this. Whatever Claremont's writing at this time is it's just like, would you pay double? Maybe. For the storytelling that's going on, I think is great at this time. Jared. Jared, I know I know you got some stuff to say, man. So you know I do. So when I first started this issue, I was like, oh, am I gonna make it? Because like Pat said, they're really Claremonting up the whole Melandra and all the different aliens. And like, let's be honest, guys, that was four, five, six panels with a lot of words to basically say that Lalandra has decided the Phoenix is too dangerous to exist and must be destroyed. And that was a lot of words to get there. And I was like, am I going to make it? But the pace picked up quickly and I hit my very first high. And I'll leave it at this after my very first high is Dr. Maurice Feldman Corbeau is back again. Where did we last see this dude? Oh, just hanging out in orbit around space. And mm-hmm. who's he making phone calls to in the middle of his day? Uh, the president of the United States. <laughs> Dude, I want a Dr. Corbeau series. <laughs> like, he's the most interesting guy in the Marvel Universe that he just he kind of shows, hey, I'm in space. Oh, hey, I'm, I, I'm the president. What I, what I want to add is everyone knows a guy like that, right? You know a guy that, like, that dude or woman is everywhere. Like and and they're not even trying to be arrogant about. It. They're just casually drops like, oh yeah, you know, I was I was having a conversation with Barack. Barack, oh, oh, oh President Obama. What? What? How? I just I just saw you yesterday. Oh yeah, I, I flew I flew on a plane and and we just we had lunch and it was it was just rich. <laughs> Dropping off what? some Girl Scout cookies, you know. Yeah, <laughs> you find I, some. Everyone knows a person that just seems to be weirdly connected like that. And that and Dr. Corbeau is so amazing that he's on he knows a team full of mutants and his life is more interesting than theirs. <laughs> right? That's I want, incredible. I want the backstory of Dr. Corbeau there. Like he's all I'm in space, making my space phone call in the middle of the day. Who should I call? President Carter, why not? And it was their President Carter representation. <laughs> The way they wrote the accent, the Southern accent for President Carter was kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's I'll I'll leave it there up to that sort of White House scene. Um, uh, yeah, 
Auburn Elvis makes a comment about it as well. And Auburn Elvis mentions that the Beast ditched Avengers monitor duty and got caught by the President of the United States for not being there. That's a bad write-up on the, for, the, for the Beast. And what's funny is Beast is a genius. He is literally a genius. Like, dude, it got to skip out. At least, like, put, like, a robot there. A hologram, an LMD, something. He just ditched. He just freaking ditched. I'll leave it at that, Pat. I've talked enough. Your turn. Well, I was just going to agree with the Avenger part in it. I thought it was kind of cool pulling a little bit of that universe in, just very little bit, that even the president is going to get involved with this to get that team of superheroes get on the ready just in case something really goes wrong here. I like that call into them. That's the sign that something's going to hit the fire. Yeah, you know, or excuse me, the fan. If yeah, something's the big, the president is calling the Avengers. Sorry, Pat, go ahead. No, that, that's what I wanted to kind of pull in. That's what kind of started pulling me in a little bit more. I'm like, ooh, this is big. Are they going to show up, or or what's going on? And I was very intrigued of where it was going to go. I don't, you know, or are they going to show up at the end? Possibly, probably not. You know how they do on the team, like team books, or sometimes they'll if it's like a big threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll mention because they know that they're going to have some reader that's like, well, why wasn't the Avengers involved in this? This was a planetary level mm-hmm. threat. And sure. then like, in, in this case, but they explained it away by saying the beast was on monitor duty, but the beast ditched that monitor duty to go help out Cyclops. So the Avengers wouldn't know, have known what was going on yeah. at the time. Like they always put some little explanation like yeah, that. That in. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely makes sense on that. Delvin, do you got another high, low, or what the? What I like about what Claremont has done, and I actually will back up just a little bit. Like, I think what Claremont wanted, and that was one of the reasons that they moved on from Dave Cockrum to John Byrne, is that he wanted to tell that consistent story. Because if you remember, when we started reading X-Men, it was coming out once every two months. But Claremont clearly had a vision for where he wanted to go with X-Men, and he wanted to get them there in a little bit of a faster pace than once every two months. So he had it come going out once a month, which is great. And then you had that great cast of creators of Claremont, Byrne, Austin, Orzakowski, Glennis Wayne, whoever the editor was. And once you got that cast together, it's very similar to how I compare the newest Star Trek movies where that last movie, I can't remember what happened, but that cast of characters had been together three movies. You knew all the cast of characters. You knew what they were all about. And so you could tell nearly any story because you had that much faith and trust in the character. That's what I'm equating that to with the Uncanny X-Men right now. Probably about three straight years now, you've had the same cast of creators. And they have put together just this magnum opus of a storyline. And I truly do get why it got the props that it did at the time and even now, because they were able to keep together, establish continuity and create the story like they have. So like just big, big hat tip to that, because like at this point, like, you know what you're going to expect. Yep. Chris Claremont's going to be a little bit wordy, but he's going to get his point across. John Byrne is going to have brilliant art, brilliant pencils. Terry Austin is going to back him up with inks perfectly. 
And then the lettering does nothing to detract and sometimes even adds to it. And of course, we all know about Glennis Wayne's colors. Just that's where we are at the book right now. So it's really interesting to see it get built up to this penultimate point where next issue is finally going to be that big reveal for the storyline. So all that to say, I'm very highly complimentary of what's been done so far. And and I think it came to a very good head in this issue. Yeah, I agree. I'm just going to piggyback off of what you said. You did say a lot there that is just with what that team of creators are doing right now. I like this kind of gives me that soap opera kind of a feeling that Claremont is doing here with the storytelling that I want to know what's happening with these different groups of characters. And they all have different parts of them that I like. And some of the parts, some, some parts that you don't like, you know, it's like, stop being a jerk. So-and-so, you know, it's like you start Mm -hmm. feeling for these Mm -hmm. characters a lot and to see what he did to have them win over, you know, it's like, the Phoenix force, it's not with their strength and their, their teamwork. Well, with the teamwork that did it was their teamwork of love, you know? And that could be so corny. It could it be, could have been, but it wasn't because of how the story was set up. Yeah. It has been set up that Cyclops and Jean Grey are madly in love with each other. And it's also showed in just in different ways that every one of the X-Men had a love or affectation too. So it was yeah. so well done. Definitely. And the artwork in this just, oh, man, that artwork team is just amazing on this. Not only do they express the words that Claremont is saying, you can just see it in the art on this, too. If you kind of just browse through it quickly, you, you kind of get a feel for the story. Jarrett, let's go to you. The series has been dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm warm. Ninety-six tears. <laughs> I just oh, yeah. waited. Go for it. I, no, I'm, I'm warming up to it. In fact, in fact, I will keep it a little slightly more specific and say for this issue featured a mind fight that didn't bug me so much because it was a one page. The way it was done artistically was very intense, focusing on on Phoenix and zooming in as she's turning from Jean Grey into Phoenix and Professor X concentrating so hard he starts to cry and she becomes the bird, but then the bird become, becomes uh, dissipates. It dissipates because of the power of Professor X and they did all that in one page. Nobody was dressed up like a gosh damn pirate or some weird crap like that. It was <laughs> a straight up well done one page artistically beautiful job at depicting a mind fight which traditionally i have hated you all know that yeah this one didn't bug me and to delvin's original point in round one what a cool cliffhanger at the end it's like okay we've got this insanely powerful thing that we've kind of calmed down it's calmed down okay can we handle this i don't know we just disappeared you know it's like oh my goodness there's no time to breathe whatsoever so yes, this this is definitely on an upswing. Kind of takes me back to the first story when they get whisked away to Alondra's area yeah. to begin with. You're right. Yeah, like didn't Jean Grey disappear? Or like, yeah, right in front of Misty Knight. Misty Knight. Yep. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's kind of yeah. Non-stop. She had moved in with Misty Knight and somebody else. Yeah, some other actual name character too, but I can't remember. Yep, blank. A while ago, but it, it's a, that it's that storytelling that's being interweaved here that 
some of those callbacks you don't even realize that are there. I'm digging it. I am digging this right now. I can't say enough about how, well, I mean, I guess Claremont probably plotted out the page, but the way Byrne did that one page yeah. mind fight, all you needed, and it was much more emotionally impactful than anything else I've seen so far. But it was also hilarious because it was the equivalent of like you're about to get into a bar fight, right? With these dudes, these dude bros. And then like I come up because I'm that guy, I'm a smooth talker, I calm everything down. And just once about calm down, Pat punches a dude in the face. Bam! One hundred percent what Charles Xavier did. <laughs> and that was funny. <laughs> And it's true. That's what I probably do. It's like I'd be the guy behind you. <laughs> Let's go, man. Now I had it all calmed down. Yep, yep. I'd be looking over. Yeah, yeah. That's right. You tell him, Jerry. You tell him. <laughs> but you know, interesting. Interesting too. I'm going to add another layer of that. I mean, we've seen the Phoenix, and like Dalton said, a universe. Like she could destroy a universe. Like a threat so big we can't even comprehend it. But look at the power of Professor X, man. He reined that in. That's impressive. Now it was it was Professor X plus Jean Grey. What Professor X did admit was like I I, don't, I would not have won that just head to head with Phoenix, but with Jean Grey helping on the other side. But even that said, mm-hmm. Jean Grey plus Professor X was enough to hold back a galactic entity. Mm-hmm. Pretty powerful. Yep. Pretty powerful. And it's amazing that you're starting to see their powers and just more detail and in the in-depth of the X-Men's powers as they're learning about them themselves too. You know, I like that. We're also learning about it as well. Yeah. If I could turn back time, man, and just sit down with Claremont and just, just get him to tighten up and a little bit on the storytelling. And, and he, I can tell he loves that. He loves Star Trek. Cause like I said, those first couple of pages, I was like, Oh, here we go. You know, we have all these characters I don't care about weighing in when at the end of the day, we just need to see Lalandra say, this can't be tolerated and we're going to destroy her. Now, because that's interesting because that's Prof X's girlfriend. Prof X trying to save her, Lalandra yeah. trying to destroy her. That's interesting. But it, it was so wordy to get there. Like, if I go back and just sit on his shoulder and be like, dude, just tighten this up a little bit. It's there. I get why people like it. I do. Yeah. I do. I yeah. think, you know, something like that's there. Maybe just because, just in case this is someone's first time. They have to give a little more exposition of what kind of level threat this is and things like that. But I like how I'm giving writing advice to Chris Claremont. <laughs> I've written two comics. One's been published. <laughs> He's written about a thousand. <laughs> if, I, if I may, Chris, a <laughs> note for you, sir. <laughs> but, you know, comic writing has changed. You know, it's, uh, you know, thought bubbles. There's a lot of thought bubbles in here. You know, as I've taken the the rule that a lot of modern writers have, if you can't express what someone's thinking by their actions, yeah, do you and lose thought bubbles? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I would even go so far as to say some of the thought bubbles weren't even necessary. Right. It's just it, a thing of the late seventies and early eighties mm-hmm. that you wanted to get get across. Like, not only. Like, okay, hey, here's a nail, here's a board. You know, like someone had to hammer that thing in. So it was like, okay, I want to make this point clear. So go ahead, Pat. I was just going to say, I think there could be a good balance between thought bubbles because sometimes you do need a little inner monologue going on here and there. But and maybe I like that as far as some of that reading the story. Like the Jason's cat spanner that we use on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. With that, then, let's go ahead and go and find out who went the extra mile for this issue. Ooh, 
some good ones in here, possibly to choose from. But let's go ahead and find out what we chose. Delvin, who went the extra mile for you in this issue? Mine's easy. I think it's Cyclops. I love that you had Storm being, and I, I, I got to say it one more time. I've said it so much and I don't care. Storm has basically been the same character from like 1977 to today in 2022. That's how awesome she is. Like empathetic, powerful, awesome. And she saw what Cyclops was going through. Like this man is going through hell. Let me comfort him. And Cyclops was like, nope. I'm the leader. I can't even, if I even address it, then I'm going to completely fall to pieces. I cannot do it right now. And then went on to, he was about to save the day without even confronting the Phoenix head on with the powers. Just like, you could have killed us by now. You're so powerful. You could have wiped us off the face of this planet. Why haven't you? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And it was so Logical and smart and well done. It's like you love us and we love you. Please stop this. Oh, just it, it says a lot like to the martial artist in me that like one of the like the first self-defense that you have, and you're taught that even in a self-defense class, you run. You find any way to avoid that actual physical confrontation because at that point, in a way, you've already lost. And like for a Cyclops to have all that power at his disposal where he takes off his glasses and he could level the side of a mountain with the power that he has. But instead was like, no, I love this person. I want to resolve this in a peaceful way. That spoke volumes to me. Love it. But do you think that with Cyclops too, he knew Gene very well that he knew if he, you know, getting to her, he, he would just help her, you know, boost that fight up. I think tactically speaking, it was a smart way to go. Okay. You're not going, you're just simply too, it's too powerful. Like the, the, the Phoenix entity was too powerful for even the might of the X-Men to handle. And Cyclops knew that actually they all knew that. So he was like, I'm not going to fight you. If you're going to kill me, kill me because you're going to do it anyway. So let me try and approach you from another angle. And it worked. It would have worked had Professor X not come in. Now, of course, Professor X did save the day. But in order to save the day, he had to ruin the day first. (laughs) But uh, until that point, Cyclops, in my opinion, did everything that a leader should do. He he did a great job. Jerk. Foregoing Dr. Corbeau. Mm -hmm. I will also give it to Cyclops. Same reasons as Delvin. You know, I teach leadership. One of my favorite classes I teach in leadership is emotional intelligence. Picking your battles, knowing what's smart, just what Delvin said. He saw that brute force tactics were not going to work. Did he know that appealing to her on an emotional level was going to work? No, but he knew what didn't work. So he rolled the dice. And, you know, you know me. Cyclops is my favorite X-Man, leader of a peers. Peer leadership, Mm -hmm. toughest one. I love Leonardo. I love Cyclops. You know, because, again, here you have this battle. And everybody's thinking, defeat the Phoenix, stop the Phoenix, stop the Phoenix. And Cyclops is doing the same thing, except he also has a thought of keep everyone else alive. That added pressure. Um, That's why I like those characters. And I think Cyclops did it again. He didn't even appear until the timing was right. Really. Like, he didn't go in there, blast like Delvin said. Didn't blast with the laser beams. He just kind of walked up and was like, nothing else is working. Let's just try talking it out. And then Professor X came in with a body slam RKO. <laughs> 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 
but, <laughs> but yeah, Cyclops. All the same reasons as Delvin. That's all I really had to say. I wasted a lot of time there. Who do you like, Pat? I'm going to agree with you guys on Cyclops because you guys said it so much. I'm just going to give a little different person, maybe as a runner-up. And I'm going to say Jean because without the help of everybody else, she couldn't come out. And then it's her power along with Professor X's power, you know, that as Delvin mentioned, that telepathy, that, you know, two big people with super big mind brain powers coming in. And I think it's with her too, helping to knowing what she's got to give up and what it's going to cost her as well too, to do that. Uh, So I give a runner up to Gene. That's fair, but I did get a kick out of the part where they were like mind link, and he was like, you know, for better for worse, sicker sickness and health till death do his part. She was like, that sounded like a proposal. <laughs> this guy was like, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. hey, 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 hold, 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 baby. <laughs> I guess I can't backpedal out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I did take the wrong approach. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot. I forgot we had that mind link. I, I, that's just my head. That's my head, baby. <laughs> Alburn Elvis mentions in the chat, he says, uh, Wolverine, he would give it to because he didn't stab Gene when he might have ended the crisis right there. Yeah, you know what? That was interesting to me because, again, I don't know the comics so much, but I know the movies. And I remember in X-Men 3 where he had to stab Gene to save everybody. And I thought, oh, this is where they kind of got that moment from. So that was kind of a cool click moment for me with, with the mm-hmm. movies. Auburn Elvis also says, did y'all catch Angel showing up at the end after the fight? I guess that was so he'd teleport away with them. They needed him in the next story or something. Because he did just kind of show up at the buzzer. But he did. Yeah, after the fight was over, he was like, hey, guys. Hey, guys. I mean, what was he going to do to Phoenix anyway? Cool her off with his wings. Fly around her. Same thing he's going to do on whatever mission they're on. He's going to. Does it require flying or a lot of money? Either way, I can help you out. <laughs> He's useless. Like, could you imagine an angel that had as much money as you and me? <laughs> well, see, here's the thing. We no, because uh, he wouldn't be allowed in the group. If he was, if, but if we knew a guy like that, I'd be like, yeah, he could be in the group because he's loaded. You know, it's just like <laughs> it's like totally he could be part of the X Men, bro. Can you get to say uh, big screen? <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those like when in the Justice League movies when they when they ask uh, Bruce like, "What's your superpowers?" Like, I'm rich. That's, <laughs> that's, that's angels. He's like, you can fly too. He's like, no, I know how to set first. <laughs> I'm rich, and then oh by the way, I can fly. You know, it's you like fly around you, just dropping money, like oh. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, who else are you going to get? You, you know, Corbeau's out doing his own stuff. So it's like, I can't get that rich guy. Maybe I'll get this next in line, I guess. <laughs> it does have more uses, as Hubbard Elvis points out. He can carry Professor X now that his wheelchair is gone. There you go. There is that. I, I, I mean, I like Angel enough. Just uh, some of those original X-Men, you know, where the universe kind of outgrew him. <laughs> kind of a deal. Yeah, it is interesting to see that because you see... We get Hank in here now, the Beast, but he's already on a different team and succeeding with a different team. Mm-hmm. And and we'll see that same thing happen with Angel, because I was reading X-Men comics when he became Archangel, because mm-hmm. they really needed to do something and they did. To, to get his power levels kind of evened out. He was in the Champions for a minute. That's true. That, that was true. kind of an eclectic team, but I, I don't know too much about him. Yeah. All right. Well, I think with that, let's go ahead and get into the ratings for this issue. Again, it's a one through five rating. Five as you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. Delvin, one through five for this issue. 
I don't think I can go on as much as I did about the issue and not give it a five. Mm-hmm. If, if I did, it'd be doing it a disservice. And I think for me, a good sign of a, of a book being a five is at the end of it, when I read it and they disappear, I was like, what happened? What happens? Like, oh, really? <laughs> it's not over? But that's exactly what you need to do on your, your penultimate issue, especially of what this is. You could argue this storyline has been created ever since Chris Claremont started on the book. And for it to come to its culmination, culmination, thank you to it, to get to this point and they're giving it the treatment order, like 35 pages. So at that point, that's like double feature length of a book. It shows you what the X team thought of the storyline that's coming up. And this cliffhanger leading up to it was brilliant. It's a five. Jared, are you there? I agree with Delvin's assessment because it did remind me of that flash issue we read where like, Flash and Professor Zoom were like going at it. That at the very end, like Flash steps out of the portal and it got you. It's where you're like, what? Like this has been insane and and uh, and a thrill ride. Clearly, I'm not as taken with this as most are, but I'm going to give it a four. And anybody who's listened knows if I give it a four, that's like a normal person giving it a five. So yeah, I think this was a strong issue. Once I got past those first couple of Star Trek key pages, uh, it, it was just fine. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a four on this one. No problem. I can see that definitely for you where you're at. I am going to be with Delvin on this one. I really enjoyed it. Thought the story was a good culmination. 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 Thank you. Of it all coming together, I am down with a five, and I can't wait to see what happens next. So, if you're listening and watching... Let us know in the comments. Are you on the five two cool guys? Seems to me I'm always on a two cool guy side. That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it is. And you go last too, so that's kind of <laughs> convenient. Yes. See, don't you found me out. Piece the puzzle together, Pat. It only took sixty three episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to do a new new one. But or are you with Jarrett with the four? Or you got a, some other rating you want to give it? Let us know. And you can do that by leaving a comment in the questions. Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voice message, and we just might play it on the show. You can leave a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. We're all hot and bothered like a phoenix here, waiting Wait, for what? you to come. <laughs> need, need Angel in his wings to come fan us off. <laughs> With that, we will be right back. Where am I? In the palace of glittering delights. Who are you? I am Andrew Leyland, and for over 200 episodes, I have covered everything genre-related, from the obvious things that everyone talks about, Star Trek, to deep dives into the early issues of the amazing Spider-Man, via the obscure, such as ITC's experimental science fiction dramas The Champions or Department S. It's very cosmopolitan, you never know who you meet next. In the Palace of Glittering Delights... Okay, let's get this show on the road, gang. Available from Two True Freaks and via your podcatcher of choice. Welcome back from the break. Now, let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. 
We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout outs to our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, voting to help determine show content, and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Battlewagon. Gary V. Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Jason King. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman, Jim Jarman. I hope you like Jim Jarman too. Joe Thomas. No half. John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. The MVP, Kathy Bright. Mark Ross, subnome as Cluck Trent. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. B.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Spidey 67. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we miss you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. I'm going to add to that if you have not clicked like on YouTube, you are doing it incorrectly. Please do so. And please tell a friend we are looking for subscribers on YouTube. So please tell somebody uh, who might be interested in comic books and possibly ball juggling to come to our YouTube channel and uh, <laughs> click like and subscribe. We would love to have your viewership and their viewership too. Now, we will go on to social medias, like, shares, and retweets. We are talking about both. Crusader Chronicles episodes 60 and 61 from February and March 1980. Buckle up because it is a long ride. Let's go, Pat. Starting us off is Adam Spector. Adam Williams. Age of Radio. El Sedano. We left our wallet with El Sedano. Gotta get it. Alexander Douglas. Alexandru Bonta. Andrew Morris. And Hello Fetty Wolf. Ow. Auburn Elvis. Batman, the Dark Knight in prose. Bill at Spy Vinyl. Billy Dunleavy. Blair Ching. Bobo Lalovich. Carl Gibson. Carlos Lopez de Victoria. Carlos Rafael. Carmine Del Vecchio. Charlie Green. Chris Shea. Chris at BTON Batbooks. Christopher Clinton Patrick. Clinton Robinson. Comic Reflections. Hmm. 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 Conan the Librarian. Courtney Holland. <laughs> Daniel Mark Phillips. Darren Southern. David McFellan. Days of High Adventure Podcast. Desi LaSalle. Demetra Kochamanu. Dustin Stab. Eric Ward. Eugene R. Hendricks. Fan Elf Fridays podcast. Neat, neat, neat. Philippe Cruz. Francesco Vanagoli. 
Hale Halverson. Hector Laboy Avarado Jr. Abraham Bubakari. James Charles Huntley. James Jackson. It's just James if you're nasty. James J. McLaughlin. 83. Jason Elvis. Jason Halsey. Jason Lady. Joe Leeper. Joe Stephen Whitehouse. Johnny Knight. Keith John Helwig. Kenny Kersey. Kevin Christopher. Lagan Chase. Laurel, the mountain flower. Hasn't shown up for work yet. <laughs> Lee Rankins. Louis Brunel. Manuel Canete Mendoza. Marcial Ramirez. Mark J. Correa. Martin Roach. Matt Large. Max Traver. Michael Silic. Mike McKinney. Monthly Monday Movie Muckabout. Polly Pollux Nanloe. Philip O. Oh. Oh. Raph Ayel. Rich Britton. Rick Heineken. Robert Watts. Rolando Diaz. Ronnie, the man known as Spook. Right hand, Ruth Silverland. Ow! Saul Lerman. Sean Caniff. Stephanie Rouillet-Brown. Stephen Brazil. Stephen Rooney. Stop! Let's team up. A comic podcast. Simon Zyargej. This one is also complex. We He has liked our stuff before. T.C. Ilker Simsetin Tutumlu. Terry Smitherman. The King of America. The Tome of Reckoning. Tim Bass. He's all about that. Tim Bass. <laughs> Tim Price. Tony Junius. Ty Supreme Randolph. Unpacking the power of the power pack is the power pack that will stop. Walt Neeland. And finishing off this long list of people, we thank you very much. Willie Wilson. Woo. Them some names, people. Good job, gents, uh-huh. for reading all of that. And we are almost done. We have some social media comments as well from Crusader Chronicles episode 60. I'll read one from Albert Elvis's burner account, who says he has that spotty issue without looking, trying to remember and say that Black Cat did some bad luck things that ended up being just clever tricks, but it foreshadowed how later in her career she had actual bad luck powers. The issue gets a five from him. Thank you, nice. Good guesses, too, by the way. All right, I will take one from Carlos Lopez de Victoria, and he says, very cool. I like it, short and sweet. And I will take one from Unpacking the Power of the Power Packers, Power Packers, stop. Two words, trash can. One more word, bunkies. One additional word, bang. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for listening. That's a lot of words, and we're going to move on to Crusader Chronicles episode 61, uh, where we talked about Spidey 205 and Captain America 246. Max Traver said, Spidey Cat is always a must-read, but that cap and that cap cover is amazing too. Natch. We didn't like that uh, cap cover. It was what was the for, what's the color forms? Yeah, what like color forms. Great background. Yeah. George George uh Lopez. Thank you. Lopez, Lopez? really? No, Perez. <laughs> <laughs> George Perez really George oh, Perez drew a great background, but the yeah, the figures were just off. I'll take one from Jason Lady, and he says, Always like that Ditko designed costume. Had no idea he made another appearance. And he's talking about the cap cover as well. Talk about Joe. Remember, Joe was the Joe. Villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me tell and- you a story. <laughs> Little Joe. Okay, never mind. You're done. And we got one from Glenn Percival. Dads might yell at you for being too loud because he's trying to sleep. That's just good life advice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to everyone for your likes, shares, follows, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and your help in spreading the word about this podcast. 
And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusaderchronicles.blogspot.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared and Delvin for joining me this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1-9-7-7. Jared. Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. Or you can check out my artwares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. I do have a little Spidey art. I do have a little X-Men art. Stop by, won't you? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat, like we do sometimes, this particular recording is done via live, via our doing it live stream on YouTube. Just go out there and find us on the YouTube. Click that like button and smash that subscribe. We do this on the second Sunday of every month at around 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Check out Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Crusader Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page, all at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care, and please join us for the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read them all. Read them all. The intro music for Crusader Chronicles is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Colorist is Ben Sheen. I think it's Sheen. Sean. 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 Okay. We'll go with like Ben. Sean. Like Sean Connery. Okay. Delvin, stop making the show long. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you realize everything he says now for the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Colorist is Ben Sean. You can read along with us in. Hey, Pat, it's Sean, like Sean Connery. Just, ah. just, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's spelled the exact same. Am I, am I taking up enough time? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, keep going. Ah! Raph. I think it's Raph. I-L. I-L? Okay. Raph. I-L. You know when you're editing and it's like, you know, like, oh, I got to edit this. Got to get through this. And then you do something really cool. And you're like, you should... I kept going back for like 10, five, 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. Just to listen to it over. Just because you're like, oh, I'm so proud of what I've done. Yes. yes. I've been there before. That's for sure. <laughs> So I was like, oh, maybe I should snip this out and give it to you guys. But remember when I did those Chubbins and Sweetums songs? Yep, yep. <laughs> a lot like that. Yep. <laughs> Just yeah. hours of wasted time. <laughs> we, we need some more Chubbins and Sweetums. Yeah, well, you know, one of them passed away, man. Yeah. Chubbins and Sweetums, it was one, two, one, two. Now it's just like one, then one. one. Yeah. Maybe there's a new, I don't know. Tumbling we'll have to look Chubbins? into it. I don't know. Anybody out there remember Chubbins and Sweetums? <laughs> If you're messing with Sweetums, then I'm messing with you.
Let's get ready to run this town. You already know who it is. Coming at you in the one nine. You know this track is dope. Oh yeah. Get ready to hear me drop some lyrical bombs. You ready to do this, sweetums? You're damn right. I'm gonna kick in your door and bust out my gat. They call me Detective Chubbins because my rhymes are fat. So pump up that bass and let's roll in the cruiser While I make a list of movies to watch if you're not a loser I go untouchable Zardoz, hunt for Red October In most James Bond films, the best ones are older You know my boy Sweetums, well I got his back If you're messing with him, I'm gonna attack And while Sweetums is my boy, and you know that's true I also run around with that long box crew I'm talking about Weasel Skull, he's got big words Death probes the bomb at least, that's what I heard. DJ Cristanos, that cat is twice as nice. Delvin Darkweb Williams is cool cause he's got ice. Someone call Mary Jane so I can start to party. Well I dropped this beat to Sweetums cause he's so naughty. Because we're Chubbins and Sweetums 1212. If you're meshing with Sweetums, then I'm meshing with you. Because we're Chubbins and Sweetums and we roll like that. Because my rhymes are sweet and my beats are fat. Because we're Chubbins and Sweetums, one, two, one, two. If you're meshing with Sweetums, then I'm meshing with you. Because we're Chubbins and Sweetums and we roll like that. Because my rhymes are sweet and my beats are fat. I hear you talking. I hear you squawking. But don't step to me because I'm like Christopher Walken. My rhymes are soaring. I'm always scoring. I'll make that earthquake like my name was Mac Zorin. Hey, Sweetums, what is it, my boy? Don't mess around, tell them what brings you joy. Oh, that's easy. I like buses and cats, catching bad guys and laying down raps. I like driving real fast and blowing stuff up. And if you're in my face, you're bound to get cut. I hear you jibber jabber. I hear you prattle. You know where I'm happiest? I'm happiest in the saddle. So I'm Brian Gumble, and I play the chief. I usually show up for that comic relief. Whenever Chubbins and Sweetums are about to have fun, I tell them to hand over their badge and their gun. Because we're Chubbins and Sweetums, one, two, one, two. If you're meshing with Sweetums, then I'm meshing with you. Because we're Chubbins and Sweetums and we roll like that. Because my rhymes are sweet and my beats are fat. Because we're Chubbins and Sweetums, one, two, one, two. If you're meshing with Sweetums, then I'm meshing with you. Because we're Chubbins and Sweetums and we roll like that. Because my rhymes are sweet and my beats are fat. <laughs>